I'm Toby M. Schreier, an artist and printmaker. I'm Corinne Cunningham, a writer. As siblings growing up together in Seacoast, New England, and now from opposite sides of the Atlantic, we've listened to and supported each other through the ups and downs of our artistic endeavors. We thought you might like to listen in to our conversations about creativity and process. And so we've created this podcast, Ink from the Embers, our musings on the roots and growth of creativity. We hope you enjoy listening in. Hi there, Toby here. This past December and into January, 2022-23, if you're tuning in from the future, I and my wife visited Corinne and family stateside for the first time in about four and a half years. This was also our first visit to the new family compound in the deep Maine woods. Corinne and I took this opportunity to head out to the cabin, prop a cell phone up on a chair between us, and record some long overdue in-person conversations over tea. These are our cabin sessions. Enjoy. So, we're in the cabin. We are in the cabin. We're in the same cabin. We're in the cabin in Maine. Not on computer screens, we're yes. actually in person. And there's not even a computer running. We only have a phone recording in front of us. We do. Like tea in person. So we can do this. High five. We can do this. High five. Woo. We got it. And yeah. it's been a while. Yeah, because the last one went live in February. So we probably recorded in early January last year. So it's been yeah. almost exactly a year since we've done anything from the Embers. And it probably... Would have behooved us to listen to that last one if we're going to talk about what we actually did this year and like looking back because I think we talked about what we wanted to do this year. Yeah, but no, we we, we can do that comparison later. So, how was your year? How was 2022 creatively for you? There were a lot of ups and downs. Yeah, there were a lot of ups and downs. I wrote a whole new first draft um, the first half of the year. And then set it aside. Um, And I started looking back at the draft that I wrote before we moved. And I started the second draft and didn't really feel right. So I went at it in a different way and that didn't feel right. And then I was driving the kids somewhere a couple hours away. And on my way home, I realized that was not the story that those characters needed. And so then I thought I am just going to stop for a while and rest (laughs) for the rest of the year because fiction has been a challenge to dive into in the connecting sort of way. Like the first draft level has been, I can handle it, but it's the going back in and staying in the world long enough to realize what dots need to be connected and how and consistency. Um, with settling into our home. This was the first full year we've had here. Um, And lots going on with the kids. Like there was just a lot that made it challenging to sit in a space for very long with that. So yeah, again, ups and downs. I have found a really great writing group to write with in the mornings. Um, a group of women that was fantastic. Um, yeah, I I sat on a panel, a grant panel, um, or a panel to award grants, literary grants in Maine. Um, so that was a really cool experience, and being asked to do that was really neat. Um, so yeah, there were lots of little things, and I did a ton of knitting. I did a ton of knitting, and I think that's really what I needed to do. So that's the short of it. I'm sure we'll get into more of it later. But what about you? Your year was, you did a lot of neat stuff. I did. This year was busy. Um, Because it was busy with beetle work as well. So that took up a lot of time and energy. So for new listeners, there might be new listeners. For new listeners, I... I work for my wife. She works in nature conservation and she is a specialist in saprocylic beetles. Beetles that live in or eat wood or the mushrooms that also eat wood. And we set up traps to determine how healthy woods are and see what the population is, see if there are protection measures needed and so on and so forth. And I'm 
I'm the one that goes out and takes care of the traps every two weeks and then at the samples I separate beetles from not beetles and so it's it's actually really interesting work but it is fairly intense from April through mid-July and that time frame was also interesting this year because I had my first art exhibition in Switzerland in October of this past year mm -hmm. and of course I said I had to make all new work for it. And of mm -hmm. course it was in a technique that I hadn't been using and hadn't used since college and hadn't used with new chemicals. And so I had to figure out all of that chemistry to do soap ground aquatint etching on zinc plates with Edinburgh etch, which is a isochlorate iron chloride, yeah, iron chloride and lemon juice. Mm. Um, Water down. Anyway, technical bits aside, I did. Um, I spent months swearing at the technical side, really relearning and figuring out how to get things to etch properly. But once I got that figured out, I did a whole series of like landscapes and micro landscapes with lichens because I've also been learning about lichens this year and getting certifications on lichens. Mm -hmm. And so that prepping for that show was a lot more energy than I was expecting. How many prints did you end up with? I ended up with, I had been hoping for nine, nine or 10 new prints. I went in eight new prints and about six older prints. Wow. Um, I wasn't planning on bringing older prints, but at a certain point, it was just the, I don't have enough work. I don't have time to do new work. And, oh, these actually fit together, even though there are woodcuts next to the etchings. And it's still my work, and it still makes sense next to each other, which was That's really cool. surprising, but even though it shouldn't have been. <coughs> but cool to see how threads of your work go even throughout different mediums exactly. and things. Yeah, but that was, that was a huge process up through October. And then in all of October, I was at the gallery hanging out with the other artists I was exhibiting with. And then I had a couple art markets that I was at, which was fascinating experiences all across the board from places I'm very much looking forward to going back and places I am not going back to. Yeah. And yeah, then wrapping up and traveling back to the United States for the first time in four years. Yeah. And here I am. Here you are. And here I am. So Surrounded by, by all sorts family of and nature lichen and, specimens. Oh, goodness. There's so many nice macro lichens here. Mm -hmm. I went into vacuum this morning, and I vacuumed, you know, your your room, too. And I was like, wow, he's got a lot of yeah, oh, stuff scattered on, your, yeah, on the dresser. Not all of them will be coming <laughs> home. There, Some will be identified and left here. That's awesome, though. But, uh, no, that's, take pictures and take pictures, do some watercolors. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. Are you feeling like does I'm sure we've talked about this before, but all of the nature work that you're doing, and especially this last year with your interest in lichen developing, mm -hmm. is that inspiring? Like, are you you were talking about doing? Small, smaller prints, colorful prints. Does lichen play a part in that at all? Yes, um, lichens can be very colorful. Um, honestly, it's more the landscapes that I, I would be going into, and the color of landscapes and skies and gradients, and just mm -hmm. light and atmosphere. I do like lichens, but that I almost get lost in the. I mean, with lichens, you're looking through a little hand loop, uh, a 10 times micro magnifier and not a microfire. Microfires are not things, but maybe they should be. Yeah. So you very much, it's easy to get lost in this like world of details. Yeah. But that's a very different type, type of print and a very different type of analysis at this point. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah. It's uh, lichens are lovely, but lichens are a bit niche. Yeah. Um, and I do them very much for myself. I find them beautiful and I'm sure there's a market out there and other people that will enjoy it. But where I'm approaching kind of from a business side, it's like, okay, I also enjoy doing 
little landscapes and pictures of cute little birds and gosh, those sell faster. Yeah. Well, it's funny because every time I go on a hike with, with someone, anyone, we always stop and look at lichens. Yes. The colors, the textures. Um, I think there might be a bigger market than you think. For yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I, I fully agree with it. There's, um, there will be a link below, but there's an Instagram account of, Oh, someone that does enamel jewelry of lichens and they are almost lifelike, beautiful enamel pieces of these lichens. And they're so beautiful. So lovely. Um, yes. Sadly, uh, my wife is not much of a jewelry person and neither am I, but Mm. love her work. Love her work. Wow. Where is she out of? Like what country does she live in? Uh, English speaking. I think it's somewhere in North America beyond that. I do not know. Link in the description, folks. Yeah. Because I'm forgetful. No, you're also on vacation. Yeah, it's lovely. (laughs) But no, it's... I mean, with the last year, I was also... I was doing larger works. Mm -hmm. And I I do enjoy working large and having that room to play around. But there's something small and playful with smaller prints. Yeah. It's like before I, I came over here, I was finishing up a print for the open print exchange this year. And that's five centimeters by five centimeters. So it's like two and a half inches by two and a half inches. It's okay. tiny. And it's just so much fun. Mm-hmm. It's You have an idea, you put it down and, oh, you're done. Yeah. Oh, nice. Or now it's like I use a multi-plate process so I can play with different colors. I could go back and print it again if I wanted to make a morning print or an evening print, or I want it, I want the whole place to look rainy and grim, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't because it's a nice happy picture with a crow on a bench. Oh, yeah. That's really cool though. So it's kind of taking that, that energy and that idea of just making more smaller prints just to get ideas out, to get that flowing. Um, yeah. Maybe just do a print of these five centimeter square prints of following crows around sitting places and being crows. Mm-hmm. Because why not? And that also ties back into, you know, making some of your print more accessible for um, the financial state of the world. Yeah, it's state of the world because it's, I mean, I was very fortunate in this past year that I was able to sell. I I have never sold this many prints. So I've... Oh, congratulations. Yes, thank you. I, I I felt very very privileged in selling multiple larger format prints this year. Mm Mm-hmm. But it's also in being at the markets and seeing where is that line for a gift or for an impulse buy. Yeah. And it is well below three or $400 for a large print. Yeah. So in having, okay, I do want to sell not just t-shirts or notebooks or merch. Mm-hmm. I don't have a problem with my merch. It's lovely merch, but my passion really lies with an image as an image, not as an image on an object. Yeah. So it's how do how do I make my images and just the prints themselves available and finding that balance of in a size that people have room on their walls for, because not everybody has size for an A3 print mm-hmm. framed up to like A2. Mm-hmm. Not everybody has, you know, a few hundred francs or dollars of disposable income. Not everybody's a print collector. But how do I make a print that people can afford, that they have room to hang, but that's still, that I can still earn a living from? Yeah. And it's okay selling something for 50 to 60 francs. Okay, that's a lot more reasonable and ask than three to four hundred. Mm-hmm. But then I, I definitely have to print larger editions. I have to print them a smaller scale so I can do more of them. And I don't want to look at this like I'm selling out, like I'm just doing things to sell more. Because like I'm going to keep making large prints. But I made a lot of large prints last year. I'm kind of ready for smaller ideas and yeah. smaller images. Well, and then looking at, the long, at a long-term career where you want to have a sustainable, um, a sustainable practice, a sustainable livelihood 
their ebbs and flows in what you're creating exactly. and it all kind of evens out and it informs and helps exactly. to pay for. And, and it's like, I things. still have the, like almost the entire editions of yeah. all the prints I made last year. Um, except for one, which um, gets to the idea of letting go, which is another big thing for mm -hmm. last year, but that might be our next session. Mm -hmm. um, is, you know, I have all of those editions except for this one, which was, that was a learning process. And there are only three prints of that in existence that yeah. and it was planned to be a lot more. Uh, but so I have those editions of larger prints. So, okay, those aren't going anywhere. If they do go somewhere, I'll be selling them. Mm -hmm. But now to spend a year doing smaller, smaller stuff. And so I'll still have that. And just to build up stock, build up repertoire, build up ideas yeah. That's again what's nice about printmaking is I I can solve the same image multiple times. Yeah, that's it's fantastic. Terribly practical. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, once you hit on something that you feel good about and that resonates yeah. with people, you can And it's not just, oh, I sold the one image. It's like, oh no, yeah. I, I printed an edition of twenty of those. I can I can sell it nineteen more times. That's awesome. That's really cool. So that's it's just taking the experience of this year and using them to move forward. So it's not even pivoting away mm -hmm. or I know our father was asking is like, Oh, so you're, are you changing what you're doing? Being informed of, by what's selling or what the market's asked for is like, yes and no. Yeah. Cause I'm not making images that I'm not making images for the market. It's more the, I enjoy many different types of images and it's like, okay, well right now there's more of an ask for though for, for cute birds. I mean, cute birds mm -hmm. sell. I like cute birds too. And it's a good thing. I like drawing cute birds because now I can be doing my art and concentrate a bit more on that. Yeah. But also knowing if I'm doing smaller art as well, it's like, well, I, I, for my own sanity is like, I want to draw some dark images. There are going to be some animal skulls. Yeah. Because I like animal skulls. Well, if I'm doing more small prints, I now have room to, to make, you know, a small print of some dark, grim, mm -hmm. beautiful nature's things. But I'm not spending months on a large plate that mm -hmm. likely won't sell in my current market. Right. Now I can just like, okay... I made this print. I love this print. And occasionally some metalhead walks by and he's like, oh, dude, nice skull. Yeah. Because that happens, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's kind of those ideas. So, yes, I am. I'm paying attention to the market. You have to if you're trying to make your creativity into a business. Yeah. But I'm not abandoning my vision. So I'm really just what part of my vision is more saleable at this moment mm -hmm. and in my current markets. This is kind of random. Have you ever considered using Pinterest? <sighs> Not really, because whenever I look online and find an image search on Pinterest and, oh, I can only don't go on Pinterest and only if you're logged in, I get pissed off and leave. Okay. Just because I, it's been a conversation topic that um, in writing circles that um, a friend of mine is getting like gets most of her traffic from Pinterest. Oh, interest. And oh, interesting. There's, I mean, I use Pinterest for all sorts of things, um, and I think for probably artists who who want to sell via online. Yeah. If you want to do that, which you seem kind of resistant to it's, putting it's, effort into that. Part of it is living in Switzerland. Yeah. So it's. Prices in Switzerland are just higher than everywhere else, mm -hmm. and we're not in the EU, so shipping is just really, really expensive. Yeah, okay. So it's like if someone was buying a three hundred dollar print, okay, shipping is a you know that's a reasonable ask as mm -hmm. a percentage of the sale, but. I just haven't figured out that right combination because it's like, I would need to be able to print small enough to be able to ship in, as a letter, Yeah. which is also, Hey, I talked about selling Small smaller prints. prints. That yeah. is part of the plan is to be able to 
leverage the Instagram market, leverage possibly Pinterest. Yeah. Um, I've thought about Etsy, but that's another that's another cut. But yeah. it's a worldwide trusted platform. Yeah. So it's there. There's pluses and minuses to everything in there, but it's figuring out. It's mostly it's the shipping part. Yeah. It's the shipping. Yeah, I'm sure. I know that there's a lot of um, there's a lot of international artists who are at least that come across like um, the Lord, like this at Lori Pimbleton Pemberton. She's Vermont. She's from Vermont. But there's a lot of similar her similar style, which is artwork that I really enjoy. Um, and there's a lot. It's like that cozy. Mm-hmm. It's just super cozy um, watercolor um, prints. And I know there's a lot of like Amsterdam and Netherlands and people shipping from there. But yeah. again, that's EU, right? That is EU. And it's it's doable. Yeah. It's doable. It's just really finding that price point balance. Yeah, that's true. Because it's, I mean, even if I, when I have to ship t-shirts to Germany, which is mm-hmm. right next door, it's, I have figured it out that I can fold it up into an envelope so I can mail a t-shirt as a letter mm-hmm. because that's six francs and not 14. Yeah. And 14 is over half the price of the t-shirt. So it's like, it doesn't make as much sense. Some people are willing to pay that. Some people are. Some people are. I mean, there's, there's people that I buy from that the shipping is exorbitant, but I really value them and their creativity and their work. Yeah. So it's, and again, those are available on my website or not at the moment. It's all shut down and needs it horribly needs an update. (laughs) That's, that's, that's my January. It's the website, but it's figuring out which part of that market and how to, to get that in because I can't survive on foot traffic alone at my studio. It's finding markets, finding the online markets. Yeah. So yeah, that's a large part of my next year is trying to get online, trying to get more visibility in there. Good luck. Thanks. I believe in you. Thank you. It's appreciated. I mean, there, I really, there's markets for everything, especially online and, um, Paige might Paige might actually have some ideas on that for you okay. because of the corners of the internet that um, that she inhabits. Yes. She finds art that would speak to you, mm-hmm. um, so possibly that might be interesting to get her to market some of your stuff it was for like you. you. <laughs> hey, Paige, how about how about being my my internet agent? Your internet guru. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a lot. You've had a lot of different experiences from the show to the markets to yeah. Yeah. seeing that how people are coming out of a global pandemic into I mean really is it being called a recession that we're in? Just, oh, it's definitely a recession, yeah. especially in Europe right now. Switzerland yeah. hasn't been hit so hard. But um, but yeah. But UK, I, I look at the UK, yeah. I look at um, Germany is having a really hard time right now. Mm. I, I'm sure a lot of other land, lands, a lot of other country in the EU are also equally hard hit, if not worse. But that's yeah. just where we have a lot of contact right now is with Germany. And between heating costs and the recession and economy, it's mm-hmm. it's it's hard. And especially where the most of the world looks at art in general and literature as a nice to have. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you can't heat your house, you're probably not putting a print on your walls or buying an extra book. Yeah, it's true. Which is unfortunate because uh, that's heating the soul. But this is true, Toby. Again, keeping things yeah. accessible for, for everybody yeah. is another part of it. Yeah. Yeah, but you also need you also need to be able to heat your house, and you yeah. also need to be able to to eat and to live and yes. all those things. Yes. Yeah, it's all tricky stuff. Yeah, but no, it, it has been a really a fascinating but exhausting year. Mm-hmm. I've again learned a lot. It's, yeah, because it seemed like you were straight out, and you also you went to you went to England for I, I went to England for uh, 
for a week's vacation wandering in Dartmoor, which we expected, you know, rainy England and walking through the moors, which would be wet. And it was a heat wave after a long time of heat waves. And gosh, everything was crunchy and yellow. Mm. Still beautiful. Yeah. And the reason we went to England was I went to a course with uh, Laura Boswell for uh, Japanese woodcut printing. And that was really a wonderful course. A lot of really lovely people there. Good group of people. Lovely teacher, Laura, is lovely, mm-hmm. and so so is the amazing Mr. B, her husband, who came in and did tool sharpening workshops. And nice. Nice. Did you bring home all sorts of ideas? All sorts of ideas. Um, and that's something I would probably... That might be one of the ways I'm working on smaller things, is to, to print in a Japanese style with watercolors and mm-hmm. just keeping things fresh, keeping things different, because... Um, just the gradients and the colors in it for landscape. That's really nice. Yeah. So it'll be an interesting way to experiment. Yeah. I think, I mean, from the sounds of, from conversations we've had, your wife is very excited about you adding more color into your, yes. Yes. <laughs> your um, and, and also it's simple psychology. Human beings, our eyes are drawn to bright, shiny things. Yeah. So if you're looking at a, a display window and it's full of like lovely lush black and white images. That's nice, but Oh wow. Look at that pretty kitschy sunset mm-hmm. that draws the eye. Not, yeah. I mean, I'm doing color greens without going full kitsch, but mm-hmm. I mean, kitsch can be fun. Kitsch is not necessarily a bad thing. Right. Either. And it's like, it's naturalistic in times like the sky does that. Why is this a problem? Yeah. And, you know, do a kitschy sunset over a skull. Why not? That could be kind of cool. Yeah, I dig it. Do you take pictures of your um, of your storefront when you change the displays up? Not so much. Not so much. I'd be curious to see them. Yeah. Like to see what you're doing with them. That might be neat. Yeah, it's because it's usually a slow, gradual process of change. It's more of a mutation. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, this thing needs to go. Oh, I'm drawing something. This can go in the window. That shifts around. That comes out. Right right now, there's Christmas and winter decorations in, in the window as we're gone. Nice. Nice. Yes. Over there, is is it like... Is it really just by word of mouth and foot traffic? Or do you have an online presence like a Facebook or something like that? I have an online presence, but... Like not, to say when you're open. It's... I, I, one of my customers came in and, and like put up pictures and set up my my Google thing for me, my Google oh, businesses. Nice. Yeah. And the friend that was with her, she was like, yeah, she's not doing this just for you. She gets points for this. Uh, I was like, oh, cool. Well, thanks anyway. Yeah. Um, I don't have much. I, I don't have a Facebook presence at all. Um, that might change because I was looking. There's the whole Instagram market right now, but you need a business Facebook page to set that up. Oh, yeah. So that might be something. Um, sorry, it all comes back to these internet spaces. It, it, it's I'm okay. Sorry. It's okay. It's and it all for me. It comes back to Instagram a lot. Just it's like for entomologists, mm-hmm. Twitter is the hub for now. Yeah. Um, for printmakers, there's a huge Instagram network of printmakers. So that's really kind of the central online hub that I've found for the printmaking community. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where I've gravitated to and concentrated on yeah um but there's also been like oh shit you know i've thought about you know youtube tutorials yeah so again laura boswell has great tutorials probably it's like oh what can i contribute well i'd be contributing my ideas and my approach which is not laura's yeah yeah absolutely um, so it's just all those ideas of which part to concentrate on next Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of different parts. And it's a lot of different parts. And being a, the online presence is a full-time job in and of itself. Yeah. But it needs to happen. Yeah. Yeah. It's the way the world is moving. Mm-hmm. or has been anyway. It's, oh, it's funny. Do the entomologists have a lot to say about what's happening on Twitter right now? Uh, no, I mean, it's because they're not talking about Twitter. It's, right. This is just where they share, oh, did you see this publication? Yeah. And all of them are like, Twitter kind of sucks, but this is where all the other entomologists are. So where else yeah. are we going to go? Yeah. 
So it's it's just funny how different demographics gravitate towards different platforms. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. There's like, there's a huge writing population on Twitter as well. It just, Twitter as a platform always felt overwhelming and hard to actually connect. I know people do and do it well, um, but for whatever reason, Instagram yeah. was always the one that I was able to connect with, with other writers on in a way that felt yeah. good to me. Yeah. Yeah. So what's with, again, looking back to 2022 and you're taking breaks and spending more time knitting, mm-hmm. how has that, how has that felt with, from the writing perspective? How not has that great. informed it? Really? Not great. Yeah. No, it's that whole, like a writer who's not writing is a pain in the ass to be around. Okay. Really? Because you, yeah, it, because even when you're not writing, you're thinking about it and how you should be doing it oh, or okay. like, it's just a constant thing. And so I will say I've spent a good, I've, got into a really wonderful morning morning pages practice again for the last couple months of the year. Um, and that served me really well going through some personal stuff. And, um, is that still recording? It's still recording and it still has plenty of batteries. Sorry, oh, to, di- sorry to distract you. You can edit that out if you want. Yeah, harder now, um, but we'll see. So, so, I mean, that, that was very good and that was what I needed but I, yeah, I, I'm kind of in that spot where I know, and we've talked about this ad nauseum about how I, like no break is terrible. Like no, um, everything informs something. And, and I'm trying to remember that as I look back at the year thinking I gave myself a lot more excuses than I wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I needed rest. Yes, I needed to not work on certain projects, um, and let some things go. But, um, I just, I like what I'm picturing the last, like half the last quarter of the year was really like being really grounded in my morning pages and my meditation practice. And then the rest of the day, like I didn't quite know what to do with my brain. And so I was like knitting furiously to fill that instead of, maybe thinking about some writing. Like I wasn't taking that energy and putting it towards writing. I was putting it towards knitting, which I'm sure in a couple months I'll have some more clarity on all of that. Um, But at this point, it just feels kind of like, oh man, I looked at my, what I wanted to do last year Mm -hmm. and some of it did get done. I built a new website and that was fantastic. I experimented on medium as a writing platform and that was pretty fantastic. Every month I still get like two to $5 in my bank account from, I haven't published (laughs) anything on there for since like May. Um, So, you know, I tried a lot of different things um, and I did do a lot of writing. It just, there is some parts of 22 that just aren't sitting well with me. I think because I know I was going through some other struggles, um, like personal struggles that then impacted the writing and it just, it, some of it feels really messy and I'm looking forward to kind of putting that behind and not behind to like forget about it, but behind and start moving forward. And I think that that's what this time between and it starts like mid December, like when you start prepping for Christmas. I mean, we were prepping for your visit for yes. quite a while. Yes. Um, and knowing that you and Adrian would be here for three and a half weeks, thinking about that, like I am going to start getting back in the office before you leave. You know, exactly. I'm starting a project that should launch by the second of January, and I will need to start on that. And that in between period of time, um, I've never been great with because like I rest and after Christmas, it's kind of like putting away the Christmas where I'm like after Christmas, I've, I've had that contemplation time. I've had that, that period of like 
putting work aside for a good almost month. Yep. And it's been that way since the kids were little because we would take off like all of December for Christmas because it was just too exciting. No schoolwork would get done. And um, by Christmas time, it's like, all right, I'm ready. Let's move along. Yeah. But that doesn't match up with the calendar and what everyone else is yeah, doing. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense. No, it does. It does. Yeah. I was so happy putting away the Christmas decorations. You were. Way. You were. I was you had said, it's like, I'm going to start tomorrow. I'm going to start tomorrow. And then everybody sat down to play a game. And you're like, no, I'm going to start this now. Yeah. And then it was done. And then it was done. And I felt just so good. One of our longtime listeners, Jenny Booth, does she puts away Christmas on the 26th every year. Yep. And I'm like, man, I wish I could do that. But I do enjoy, you know, yeah. a day or two after Christmas. Yes. And then I'm ready to pack up and move on. And it's not that I'm not sitting with things. I just feel like I've sat with things for long enough. Yeah, because Christmas starts early December for you in, in your in family. In some ways, yeah. yeah, in some ways. It definitely does. And And again, we... Yeah, it just this year it felt like maybe because I, I really only, and I say only, and I don't mean to belittle it at all, I was only writing morning pages yep. from like November on. Um, and it feels like that felt like a, a rest recuperation time. And I know what's, I know what I've got to do next. I'm excited for it and it feels good. And, yeah, here's to 2023 looking a little more, and I hate to use the word productive, but I think I'm in a better spot for taking on projects and doing the work that mm -hmm. makes me feel like myself. Yes. I feel like last year there was a lot of abandoning myself in different ways um, and maybe, you know, putting aside writing projects. I can have very black and white thinking where it's like, okay, that writing project is done. So my writing is done for a while yeah. instead of seeing how it's incorporated constantly. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm still trying to work through some of that stuff. I don't know. No, that's, that, that makes sense. I know looking back for me, the show took over my year. Yeah. And that's not bad. That's not bad at all. There was some great work that was done. Um, and the show itself was a really good experience. It made some great connections. Mm -hmm. um, but that was really what I did. It's like mm -hmm. last November with our retreat, I went to Lausanne and did watercolors. Mm -hmm. I haven't done watercolor since. It's been well over a year. Wow. So it's just, I've been so involved in the show and that process and then the planning of it, then the doing of it and then the stressing of it and finishing of the, Oh, I need to get more done for this. And that's, and then just art markets. I'm sure other people out there who do fairs and markets know it's just, it's exhausting, mm -hmm. especially when it's new and you don't have that system of, Oh, I just grab box boxes a through D and set up my stand. This is, well, what do I need at this stand? And, yeah. How is this market going to be? This is a different one than the other one. And and to still have a supply of things at the shop for people who walk in. Exactly. On the street. Exactly. Yeah. And then also it's like, well, when do I print more t-shirts? My stock is dwindling, mm -hmm. but only in parts of it's dwindling. I still have a crap ton of other t-shirts. So, you know, I don't you know have hundreds of t-shirts folded and waiting. I don't feel like buying more, even though I should be producing new t-shirts yeah yeah because people like new things yeah so yeah it's it was a lot of figuring out this year is how i look at it for me and it was yeah that resonates yeah it was good and also my big thing that i took away from this year is even is accepting myself as I'm not a newcomer. Mm -hmm. It's like, I, I still feel like this is all new to me, but people, other people don't look at me that way. Yeah. And it's coming to understand that and it's coming to see that and coming to accept that. Yeah. It was like with the workshop with Laura, for example, 
it was so wonderful seeing her as a teacher figure out who needed what for help. Mm-hmm. And it was very clear, like myself, and there were, I think it was Kevin in front of me, and I think two other artists who were there, that Laura just kind of saw, this is where you guys are. I'm going to go help the people that need help. You guys are all set. Come find me with questions. This is going great. She was really supportive, but it was just seeing the, oh, we both came to an understanding of, I don't need, I don't need her there with me that at that point in time. Like, oh yeah, I do know what I'm doing. Yeah. Interesting. Sometimes you need that merit back to you to really get that. Yeah. Because it's like, like, um, even just being an adult in general, Yeah. you're like, how, how is it even possible? I feel like I'm still like. 24 or something mentally, but there are people looking to you to be like, you've been around the block a few times. Or at the workshop, you know, at one point, Ben Boswell did a a workshop on sharpening tools. Mm -hmm. And from like how I interacted with that, the questions I asked, he wasn't there. He had to go have dental work done. Then when people had tool sharpening questions, they didn't go to Laura. They came to me. Yeah. Like, Oh, yeah, and I have an answer for you. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. Or at markets. It's like, oh, this is my first time here at this market, but to have other people come over is like, oh, you have a system for this. It's like, well, but you've been here longer than I have. Yeah. It's just it's like, oh, realizing my artwork is at a professional level. I conduct myself like a professional. Oh, maybe this is because I am professional. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. It's that, oh, I'm not faking this. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> because for so long, you fake it till you make it, right? Exactly. Or it's, yeah. you feel like you don't know what you're doing and that you're just trying things out. And then mm-hmm. you have that pile of experience that is, that is real world experience. That's what everybody else has, even though they look like professionals. They look like they know yeah. what they're doing and they were just, Making it up as they went along too. Yeah. Oh, cool. So that's, that was a cool feeling this year. I mean, there were plenty of places where I had no idea what I was doing. And it certainly felt that way, but at a certain point, it's just the, oh no, I, I do know what I'm doing here. Yeah. Yeah. I had kind of a similar, um, similar experience. And with that, with that writing group, I have, I've made a lot of friends through that. And, um, one, you know, we talk regularly and as we're getting to know each other, you know, I kind of offhandedly mentioned a podcast and she was like, wait, what, wait, wait, what you have? I said, oh yeah, my brother and I did a podcast. And then later on something else came up. It wasn't the book, but it was just something else that I had done. And, um, she's like, wait a minute, you did that kind of the, like, what are you doing in a, in a group of like, writers who need more confidence, like you've already done this stuff. It's like, but we all suffer from that. You know, it's a human thing to lack confidence in what you're doing, but that might've helped me a little bit to remember like, Oh yeah, I've done some really cool stuff. And just because this year doesn't look like what I had wanted, Mm -hmm. that doesn't take away from who I am as a writer Yes, and still being a writer and having that be a very large part of my life. Um, so it's always interesting. Again, when you get that mirrored back to you, like, you know what you're talking about. Why aren't you like yeah, yeah. owning that, you know what you're talking about? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's, was my big lesson or one of my big lessons in kind of that vague visa that, signpost that direction to give me of, okay, what did I take from last year and where am I going? It's like, Mm -hmm. okay, Toby, you've just accepted that you're a professional. Well, act like it, take it that next step. Really. Yeah. What is a, what do you think a professional does now? Maybe you should be doing that. Yeah. (laughs) What does that look like for you? Yeah. Um, Yeah. Because, and everybody's ideas about that are different too. Exactly. That's another thing that is like, 
just because that works for you doesn't mean that that's like the way to do it. Exactly. Um, or something works for somebody else. That doesn't mean that's exactly the way to do it. So what does that mean for 2023 for you? Do you think? Um, marketing. Yeah. It's marketing, getting out the advertising both locally. Cause I mean, for my in-person workshops, it is going to be local advertising. Mm-hmm. I mean, people aren't going to be traveling for workshops to a large extent. They might, yeah. I would be happy to have them, but the majority of my advertising is really for that. It's going to be local, but getting online stuff going. And that's a long-term thing of getting, I don't want to say followers, but getting my images out so that, the stuff that I will have available online mm-hmm. is accessible online and found. Yeah. Because if it's accessible online and no one's finding it, then it's not much of a help. Yeah. But it's being consistent with marketing and online presence is really kind of my big takeaway. And also it's finding that local advertising for markets, for courses, where can I get that And there's crossover there with online workshops or tutorials and finding like, well, is that Instagram things of what am I up to? This is how I did it or formalizing it to, do I do a YouTube video? Mm -hmm. That's because I have a body of work now and that will constantly be growing. And that is a goal to keep growing that. But now it's concentrating a lot more on, making that visible and getting my work out there so that people see it and that people can experience it and hopefully support what I do through one way or another. There's a big conversation in that writing group about repurposing um, content across platforms Mm -hmm. so that you can um, make a couple slides to put on like to do a reel or something and then you take part of that and, or that's from a bigger YouTube thing. And then you make slides of, you know, the written word about that to match it, to put it across Pinterest so that you don't have to create content for every single thing, but there might be a one part of something about your posts that hits differently on those different platforms. Yeah. Cause the, you know, we were just talking about, different demographics of people gravitating towards different mediums. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, visual people might end up here more written word. People might end up here and just, yeah. Or a mix. A mix. Yeah. You know, so we'll see. That's kind of, that's my vague goal for 2023. That's a big one. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big marketing yeah that's huge <laughs> yeah it's that's, that's huge. i haven't sat down to really strategize that that's yeah. early 2023 but i'm that's really going to be when i get back to switzerland it's vacation time damn it i'm gonna I, I can dream i can vision board loosely but actually coming up with the what the hell am i doing this year yeah. that's that's when i'm back in the uh, back in the studio i think that's good. And it's fantastic that you're able to take those yes. couple weeks off. Yes, it worked out. Worked out. Yeah. What what about you? What is I mean, you talked about being more focused in twenty twenty three. Is that mm-hmm. do you have more concrete stuff that you'd like to talk about, or should we have cut this at the beginning of my sentence? No, no, that's okay. Um, because I think by the time this gets out there, this is good accountability because I will actually put um, my 2023 project out in the world. It doesn't have a title yet. I have to figure that out by Sunday or Monday. Um, yeah. Tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the day what after day tomorrow. It? It's, it's Friday. It's Friday. Whew. Um, what I, what I am planning on doing is writing a nonfiction work, um, about living here mm-hmm. and how, the nature around us inspires my work and my days. And um, I don't want to call it a memoir and I don't want to call it a book on writing. I, so that's why I'm kind of like, I've got a bunch of words in my head that I'm kind of figuring out. And the beauty of this project is going to be it's becoming. 
and people being able to witness that. And so I'm going to do it through um, Ko-fi or Ko-fi or however you say it, K-O-F-I, which is similar to Patreon. And um, essentially each month at the end of the month, I will share what will be basically a second draft of an essay written about that month and about what inspires and similar themes to what I've always done with my newsletter, that mm -hmm. big part of it, um, home and cycles and nature and creativity, um, only it'll be kind of expanded. Mm -hmm. And so by the end of the month, I will have a, a draft of an essay to share. And um, in the weeks prior to that, I'll share kind of behind the scenes of what inspired that essay, whether it's maybe a little video of um, being out here at the cabin or in the woods or something, photography, um, maybe some notes I've taken that end up in the piece or mm -hmm. surrounding it um, to kind of support and inform and make people feel a part of the process. Um, grand scheme, at the end of the year, I will take what I've written and morph it into a book. And so by June of 2024, um, I will have a self-published work that anyone who has contributed anything to in 2023 will receive um, a copy of the ebook or PDF or however it forms itself. And then the hard copy will be available for purchase. Um, but I really wanted to take away the um, this idea that the finished book that you read, that's all we see. Yes. We don't see the behind the scenes work. We don't see how a project morphs and changes. And over the last decade or so that I've been writing, there's so much that happens. And I find so much magic in that transformation of the work that I think it would be fascinating to see what someone's first or second draft are or their initial notes, and then to see how it has changed into what it has changed yes. into. Um, so, you know, having people along for that journey is a form of accountability for me because I have also struggled to finish something since um, I put out Farm Girl. Yes. Um, and I am the type of person that if I tell someone I'm going to do something and there is some kind of stake involved, I will do it. Yeah. Um, that's just ingrained in me. And so that's also the hard part of self-publishing is you don't have somebody necessarily saying, you've got to get this to me at such and such a date. And the second draft has to be done by such and such a time. And so I think having this kind of um, exchange of energy in terms of, you know, financial, and it certainly doesn't have to be anything great financially, but some kind of, you know, just support will help me greatly. But also I'm looking forward to seeing how people, how people interact with that work yeah. and how it maybe will inspire them to take this like, oh, it's not perfect right off the bat. It doesn't have to look like a finished product right off the bat and it's, it becomes. And so I have these ideas for, you know, what it, what it could be like, but I probably won't know until I'm in it, what exactly this project will become. And yeah. I think that, I think that there's some kind of magic and beauty and creative, um, creative alchemy that, that happens and or I'm hoping for that. And that's, that's kind of where I want to put my energies into because I want to bring back the idea of um, kind of some joy around my fiction writing. It's mm -hmm. become kind of a slog. And so if I've got this main project that I'm working on, you know, I'm, I'm hoping to also spend a little bit of time with the draft that I finished last spring, but not in a, I'm going to have it done by such and such yep. a date kind of way and just kind of maybe give it a little bit of space while also keeping myself accountable in other ways. Because the newsletter has, has been kind of a touchstone for me writing wise for, mm -hmm. um, for quite a while. Um, 
And I just, I want to flesh that out. I know people have connected really well with that. Um, and that kind of, um, simple, quiet writing around surroundings and the daily life and that sort of thing, um, because there's a lot of beauty in that. Um, so that's, I talked myself out of the project and into it and out of it and into it and finally talked about it with a friend who was like, yes, do this. We're going to, you know, she's got her own projects that she wants to dive into further. And some of it has to do with, um, the monetization of things. Um, there's a huge push for that for writers for a lot of people are going to Substack and, um, getting paid for that. You know, people are willing to spend a couple dollars a month, um, to support one another. And, and I just keep thinking back on, I mean, I've been blogging since my kids were babies and Finn is 16. I've created a lot of free content over the years, a ton of free content. And, you know, I think it's okay to say, yeah, I would like to be compensated a little bit for this work. Um, even if it's not in book form, you know, kind yeah. of expanding the parameters around what um, what support kind of looks like for writers. I think now is a great time to do that. Um, and so the reason I picked Ko-Fi or Coffee is because people can also just throw a donation anytime, yeah. which you can't do on Patreon. Um, there will be different tiers simply for um, people to decide what they want to pay for each month, but the content people will receive is all the same. So it's I wanted this kind of sliding scale so that um, so that it's accessible and people can decide for themselves what feels comfortable to them. Um, you know, again, in this financial climate, that it is hard right now. Um, and putting something out there with a dollar sign on it does feel kind of like, is now the right time to do that? Is it not? But not everyone is being impacted the same way. Exactly. Um, at all. And I think that's where there is still room for this kind of a project. Mm-hmm. There is still room for people to support the arts. Um, and, and yeah, so I think... I think it'll be a big growing year in that sense. And for me, this year is about like having defined goals, not ones that I can push off myself because that doesn't necessarily, that hasn't worked the last few years. Um, Yeah. So I think that's what 2023, those are my, that's my goal and my hopes for 2023. Very cool. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. I mean, if you feel like you can, you want to support that I, endeavor, I, you will be welcome. It's like to. if you're setting this up while I'm here, I'm going to do my damnedest to be your first supporter. That's really cool. I, I'll tell you the second I, I'll, I hit. I'll load it up and I will. Yeah, I will. We'll be there somehow. I think there's going to be a big learning curve too. You know, looking at the way that the month is lined out, that first yeah. week of January. Um, is just going to be like, oh, this is what I'm doing. Welcome to this. Like, we'll get started next week kind of yeah. thing. Um, but I don't think a lot of people are, I don't think a lot of people are using that platform or are familiar with it. And that could be a drawback as well. You know, I've, even the last couple of days, I've been waffling, like, should I just use Patreon? And I don't want to. I yeah. really like the ethos behind coffee or Ko-Fi and I've been seeing a lot of knitwear designers use that um, because that's another um, that's another profession that the hours people put into these knitwear patterns is extensive and the testing that goes along with them and yeah. the tech editing and they have to pay for the tech editing yeah. and um, and the patterns come out and they're a couple dollars each and it's like you know I think it's fantastic that they're looking in different ways to feel supported, to be supported, um, to be able to spend more time and put more effort into that work. Um, it goes across so many different, so many different creative, um, endeavors. Um, but actually, did you ever know Alex of, um, my beautiful stories? 
She and her husband did a podcast years ago and for a few years and they, they ended up using that platform um, instead of like a Patreon. And I never asked her why, but I, I'm curious and I'm wondering how that worked out for them. Maybe she could be a good resource. Got a crisp, a lovely Christmas card from her. Um, She's in England. Um, but yeah, so it's been around for a while. Um, but I think because because they give a lot, like they are not making a lot of money off of people. Like yeah. their percentages are different, and they yeah. have a different model than like a Patreon kind of thing. Um, it's not as well known. Not as well known again. Marketing. Marketing. Yeah, exactly. Like I'm not even sure if they have an app. Where I know yeah. Patreon has an app. Yeah. Um, so it'll be a learning curve and experience and, um, you know, again, I believe in the ethos behind, behind that site and it feels good and, um, you know, values that I believe in, whereas I have issues with Substack and I've, you know, Patreon has some stuff that is like, oh, it's a bummer that they do that. But, but I know people who have made that work really well for them. Um. So yeah, it'll be interesting. Yeah, no, find, finding the right platform for your work is always mm-hmm. interesting. Because there was, um, this came up and I've, I kind of, again, with that accountability thing, I'm, I'll just say it right here. I'm going to do the RPM challenge again. The what rec- is that? You were talking the, about that with Paige. So the RPM challenge is the record production month. Oh. So you take... Of course, it's going to be the shortest month of the year that to make it an album in. So it's February. Oh, wow. And from start to finish, from the idea to completion, you wow. make an album in the month of February. Whoa. Um, I did that back in the sands of time. Um, it is still up there for those people. Really? I suppose I'll put a link in the description to my, my album there and back again. That's on Bandcamp. Oh, I didn't um, know that. And um, Bandcamp is something, is a really great platform that I've been watching because they got sold. Mm. And they got sold to Epic Games. Oh. Or Epic Games bought them, but they kept the same team. So it's the ownership has changed, but the management team is still the same. Mm-hmm. But it's like, I think during the pandemic, they were like, okay, first Friday of every month, we don't take a cut. Mm. So all sales go to the artists. Mm-hmm. And like, oh, wow. And it's not just the artists pushing that, but the band camp was pushing that and saying, yeah. hey, go buy music, support these artists because yeah. they can't go touring right now. They are starving. Yeah. Um, but it's again, it's watching that and saying, like, okay, it got sold. Is that changing? Have they kept that mm-hmm. same, you know, it's like the email you get, you, you made your first sale. Thanks, mom. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, that's cute. Yeah. Yeah. And probably true. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, so far that's stayed. Mm-hmm. But it's it's always changing. Finding those good platforms is such an interesting challenge. But it is. especially Yeah. When money is involved, it can either be... Yeah, it can either be fine or it can either yeah. go kind of sideways. It's really interesting. And changing that, like, what the exchange of money actually means and trying not to participate in necessarily in a capitalistic kind of way. Yeah. And yet still, we still need to work within certain systems. Exactly. But how to divest in other ways. Is exactly. Really yeah, to get to that the exchange of energy is something that comes up a lot and mm-hmm. it sounds esoteric, but it's like, I put energy into my art. Yeah. I put energy into my music. You put energy into your writing mm-hmm. and someone else might put energy into their craft or they might put energy into their job as a nurse mm-hmm. and they would appreciate your book and you would appreciate their taking care of sick people. But in this day and age, they can't come over to take care of you and you give them that your book in return. Right. You can't eat a book. <laughs> you can, you can but, but it's, it depends on, on your fiber requirements. That's true. 
And the seasoning and the cooking type. But anyway. Mm-hmm. But at this point, it's that exchange has been reduced to mo- to money. Yeah. And that money is now worth and what's worth what. It's so abstract. Yeah. But that's kind of, that, that's how we eat. That's how all of us eat right now. Yeah. But keeping a hold of that, the energy of appreciation, that energy that we pour into what we do mm-hmm. is important. It is. It absolutely is. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what comes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And we, I mean, do you want to keep doing this for? Doing what? Doing what we're doing, the podcasting. Because this is a, I mean, this is a, like, we haven't done it all year. We haven't done it. And it's, we, there we wasn't were, space for it. There wasn't space. And we were talking previously. It's like, oh man, looking ahead of the next year, do we really have time? Yeah. Do we have space for this? I'm not sure, but damn, this feels good. It does. <laughs> and last night when we were talking about it, halfway through, I think it was while I was making dinner, we we're like, damn it, we should have been recording this. This is yeah. a really good conversation. Yeah. We yeah. like stopped talking about it because like oh we'll save it for tomorrow. Right now I don't even remember what we were talking. It was about. it was looking back and looking forward. Oh okay, so it we're not really that far this, off. It, we we took that conversation. I don't know if we hit the exact points. Yeah, that's good. Thanks for listening. Feel free to subscribe with your preferred podcast platform. You can connect with us using Instagram and Twitter, and find out more information on us at our website. All links are shared in the show notes. All content, including music, audio, and rambling, is created by us, Corinne and Toby, at Inc. from the Embers.